Welcome to the Retail Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Michael Sartini. Today's talk is focused on comparing the retail space of the early 2000s, not just with the retail space of today, but also the future and what that might look like, as well as the impact of social media and the importance of the modern day brick and mortar store. Today's guest has so many titles and years of experience, I almost don't even know where to begin. Our guest is Paul Greenberg. He's a registered psychologist and entrepreneur whom pioneered the online retail space in Australia, co-founding the first online store there. Now he acts as an advisor and also helps to run his own company, the Nora Network, Australia's premier network for connecting new technologies to the retail space. I'm so excited to have you here for the show today. Let's get into it. I hear that you're known as the grandfather of online retail in Australia. That's a pretty impressive title. Could you tell me what got you started in your journey into retail? Thanks very much. And it's a title I don't mind, although my teenage kids are not too crazy about it. They already tell me I'm the oldest dad in the class. So I guess I'll just have to deal with that. But um, I think, uh, Michael, the history of that goes back to, I was certainly one of the early adopters uh, uh, to, I guess, the whole e-commerce boom and renaissance working uh, on eBay from the mid 90s, selling vintage guitars, would you believe, the old Fenders and Gibsons in the mid 90s here in Australia. And then uh, that launching me into uh, a career with with eBay, uh, working very closely with the eBay team in Australia. And that in turn led to the launch of Australia's first online department store. So uh, I'm not uh, that old, but I guess I have been in the space a long time and it's been my absolute privilege. So you started something new, a completely different industry from anything anyone's seen before. What were the, the first thoughts in your head starting this new enterprise? Well, I think entrepreneurship is often, uh, you know, some entrepreneurs have the great gift of vision. Uh, but for many of us, it's a, it's a classic case of failing forward. We learn by doing, we stumble, we go down dead ends and, and cul-de-sacs and we reverse out. I started selling vintage guitars on eBay as a hobbyist as a bit of a side hustle, as they say, to, to pay some bills with a, with a young family. Um, and that then in turn led to an appreciation of a few things. One is the power of marketplaces, and no doubt we'll chat about that. Number two, that the, the world is flat and, and it's a global marketplace. I mean, Australia is a, is a fairly remote, magnificent continent, but we're far away from everything. So this uh, created a connection uh, and an opportunity to trade in new and exciting ways. And then ultimately, I have a bit of a background in retail. And uh, in many ways, I would argue that online retail is old wine in a new bottle. And although I'm an older person uh, in this industry, I think some of the fundamentals still apply. So there were three or four very uh, convergent circumstances, lots of good fortune and good luck that have put me in this exciting space. And I'm privileged to be here. Yeah, that's so cool how you just kind of started out as a hobbyist and turned your hobby into such a line of successful businesses and a successful career overall. What do you think that people can be doing more effectively to communicate with their customers? Well, that's a great point. I mean, you know, we're all talking customer centricity in the retail industry. And as we should, uh, you know, the customer is well and truly king now, king or queen. And uh, we need to look after this aristocracy, this royalty. But I think that... Um, what we mean by customer service or customer centricity is taking on new, new, new ways and new ways of doing things and different applications for different businesses. You know, we could go from Jeff Bezos saying, well, the best customer service is no customer service. And I kind of get that where you put the customer in ultimate control 
of the shopping experience. Uh, and then we can go to some of the, the newer and more exciting businesses like Everlane out of the US where customers are fully engaged with the margins. They know exactly what Everlane's margins are, which is traditionally not the way retailers operated uh, in a cards up environment. So we're seeing a new uh, era of, uh, of deep uh, personalization and relevance. One size doesn't fit all, that's for sure in this new world. Uh, we're seeing a massive shift of power to, uh, from the retailer to the consumer, and that needs to be embraced and engaged in the best possible way. And obviously the incredible technology that of you know, AI um, and, and deep data personalization that give customers a real authentic way, uh, or I beg your pardon, retailers that are real and authentic way to connect with shoppers. And that journey is now underway and very exciting. How do you think that the retail space today is a lot different than it was when you first started out? Well, there's a paradox at play because when I first started out, and I'm talking about when I really started out, you know, back in the in the in the late 70s in some family retail businesses, you know, we knew our customers by name because we were community based. We knew their history. We knew all about them because that's the way we operated. I guess the new retail, and we look at massive businesses uh, that are emerging, uh, that same theory of knowing your customers in a personal and relevant way still applies, except the distinction now is we're able to do that at scale, and we're able to do that in much bigger businesses, and I think that's the key. So I call it old wine in a new bottle, and I say that quite proudly, that the, 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 the principles of customer connection and, and, and the empathic attunement still remain, but the technology will, will, will enable us to do this in a much bigger, larger, and global way. And what are some of those fundamental principles of retail? Well, certainly relevance. I mean, I think customers want to be gotten and, and, and to be understood and to be treated as individuals. You know, certainly when they're dealing with the bigger end of town, uh, the sense that one size uh, doesn't fit all really applies. I have an interesting view as well, though, given my, given my background in psychological services. I'm still a registered psychologist, but I don't practice. Is that good relationships require a good degree of certainty, uh, but also a bit of uncertainty, a bit of the surprise and delight. So I think good retailers are trying to make sense of that, that we don't as shoppers want to be gotten or known too well. You know, we almost don't want to be seen as a, in a predictable relationship. So there's a very interesting time now where we have to do as retailers that delicate dance between seeing our customers uh, and treating them in a relevant and personalized way, not, not the one size spray and pray model that uh, some of us have been guilty of. Uh, but at the same time, also recognizing that dealing with shoppers, whether in the physical or digital environment, we're dealing with dynamic uh, people and a dynamic relationship. And that implies a certain degree of uncertainty as well. And that needs to be embraced. Yeah, I, I got you. But I mean, like the, the digital space is so large. How can you really get to know your customers at all? What technology are you using? Yeah, well, that's the, obviously the million dollar question. A lot of what the Nora Network does, and we'll talk about that, is connecting technology with retail, you know, with solutions, with application. I think what we're starting to see, and I think to be fair, even the larger retailers would admit that they're on a journey. And certainly for some of us smaller retailers, we've still got to get onto the bus, is that we're seeing uh, strong and emerging technologies in, in artificial intelligence and deep machine learning. We're seeing CRM uh, solutions that are improving. Uh, we're seeing e-commerce platforms that are developing you know, fantastic capabilities. So I think it's the old story, Michael. Um, you know, uh, retail is detail, always has been, always will be. That's certainly old wine in a new bottle. 
but connected technologies are um, are, are, are coming up uh, every day from the big and the not so big end of town, uh, making that uh, making that connection easier. I got you. What are some sort of like examples you have of using this connectivity and technology to build a brand or companies in the retail space? Well, I think the first one, uh, when we talk about connectivity, we can't go past the social media. And I'm absolutely uh, enthralled and so pleased and in many ways proud to see some of our, our smaller e-tailers growing significantly in, in many, and often at a very low cost base using uh, a powerful social platforms like Facebook and Instagram. So I think right there we got it. We've we've got uh, technology and we've got platforms that enable a very strong connection with 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 our with our shoppers um, using these these social platforms. And one of the ways we do that is we step outside. You know, when I was in business, uh, personal branding was never a big thing. You know, we worked for a company. We served that company and that company served our customers. But these days we're seeing entrepreneurs, great ones who step outside of the brands they've created or the ones they run and be, and engage significantly, frequently and regularly and authentically, often sharing a bit about their lives outside of the work environment on social platforms like Facebook and Instagram. I think that's incredible. I think it creates a stronger connection than the old fashioned transactional, you give me your money, I'll give you some stuff and it takes you into a deeper brand engagement. My view is that, that those retailers that do that well will continue to thrive and prosper. Oh, absolutely. I mean, social media is so important. It's changed pretty much every facet of everything in the world. How do you think it's like specifically changed retail? And has it changed it for the better? Or do we have to be kind of wary about social media usage in the future? Well, that's a great question. I think it's changed it for the better. And I think the truth is it really amplifies how customers are now well and truly in control. You know, we always used to say in retail, uh, old one, new bottle, that, you know, a, a, a happy customer uh, tells people, but an unhappy customer tells even more people. And I think now we're seeing in social the ability for happy consumers, happy shoppers and customers to really share their uh, uh, their engagement with their brands of choice. And similarly, unhappy customers to very much amplify their dissatisfaction and build their messages out into the communities in which they operate. So I think retailers have to recognize now that, uh, A, two things, one harsh truth is that arguably customers trust each other more than they trust the brand. So those old claims that we all used to make that we won this award and that we're customer centric uh, need to be tested among shopper communities. You know, shoppers sort of hunt, uh, uh, shoppers shop together, almost like hunt together in packs. Uh, and that's fine by me because I think at the end of the day, if it's going well, uh, they'll bring their friends uh, with them. But if it's not going well, boy, as retailers, we'll see very quickly that control doesn't vest with us, it vests with them. I got you. That's actually a really interesting shift you're talking about there. Like we used to really buy brands and be focused on those, but now it's more customer reviews. What do you think caused that shift there? Yeah, well, I think the, the digital platforms and the, the customer review model, which has been around for a decade or two, has really then amplified the fact that customers now truly have a voice. And you might say, well, they've always had a voice, and, and sure, they always have, but the amplification of that voice through connected technologies and social platforms uh, has really accelerated that good old-fashioned, you know, a refer a friend and the viral model of retail, which is always happy customers bring happy customers, and unhappy customers can drive business away. So I think you're really seeing a very fine example of technology amplifying the traditional referral model and advocacy model. 
Yeah, of course. So aside from social media, what other technologies are you looking into utilizing in the current age of retail? Well, that's great. Well, I think we do have to talk about marketplaces and, and I certainly see marketplaces as technologies. I'm sure they do too. So the great marketplaces of our time, obviously Amazon and eBay, but increasingly we're seeing a proliferation, the big marketplace out of Asia led by the Alibaba business, uh, JD. Uh, so I think those are very powerful. And while we're talking marketplaces, let's not forget that social has a huge opportunity and potential to become a marketplace in themselves. You know, Facebook now, they're a, their marketplace, which is largely aimed at consumer-to-consumer sales, uh, and then some of the bigger uh, social platforms out of Asia, WeChat specifically, have become transactional platforms, uh, conversational commerce, if you like, where uh, or social commerce, where, where we're engaging, we're shopping as well. So I think uh, that's a second shift, uh, um, um, the marketplace technology, is a is a great opportunity and then as i say we've referenced some of the big levers that are pulling you know driving retail and artificial intelligence or ai and that's from chatbots uh, answering uh, uh, basic uh, um, uh, inquiries in real time to robots uh, on on floors in uh, both in in asia and and the us uh, that are doing some of the, the the more task related work so i think that's important we shouldn't remember, forget that voice is fast becoming the new operating platform for retail. We can talk a bit about Alexa and Google Voice. And then lastly, I think we're arguing that the virtual reality will also make a renaissance and we'll see more shopping applications in the virtual world. You opened up a lot of topics of conversations there. I like the way you think. It's a lot of different areas. That's cool. Uh, afraid so. Yeah, there's a lot. Look, retail is detail and the technology, you could argue, uh, Michael is is making life easier or harder. I think over time it will make life more exciting. But I think in the short term we're all we've got a lot to think about in the retail industry. Well, I guess it really doesn't matter what social media brings. It just really matters how people and companies are adapting to it. You know. I think that's true, and and I think the overarching message I would leave uh, w- with you and your listeners is that brand is well and truly king. You know, the transactional days I think are fast be- coming to an end, and we could argue that certainly the it's the death of average. So a deep authentic and frictionless engagement with your customers the way the world is moving as the good old as opposed to the good old-fashioned i'll put stuff out in my shop window and, and hope for shoppers to come by and buy absolutely you know i i really want to touch on what you said before about alexa and google voice how do you think those two things are shaking up the industry uh, i think it, i think in a big way uh, scott galloway who we all listen to calls you know voice the new operating system of the internet and i think he's onto something there I think uh, increasingly we will see uh, uh, voice as a big part of our engagement in digital uh, from shopping uh, to other areas. So, uh, you know, ubiquitously, I think we're all seeing we're using voice to, to you know, in our homes um, to set our light settings, to our alarm clocks, to help our kids with their homework, uh, to put on our TVs on and off to play us some music, uh, to put on the radio in the morning, whatever. Um, but I think that's you know that's now a, a light step away from uh, from shopping. We've certainly seen Amazon um, and their uh, their growth in their Alexa uh, application be a very powerful connector. And of course, the bigger question is why can't all of us as retailers um, have uh, leveraged the power of voice, which really is a, at the core of it an easy way, uh, dare I say, a frictionless way for shoppers to engage with their brand of choice. Clearly, Amazon have got the jump again but it uh, doesn't mean that other retailers aren't getting into the game quickly. 
I mean, Amazon's always coming up with something. I feel like they're just going to start inventing technology that already knows what we want, when we need it, and we don't even have to order anymore. It just knows. Yeah, you know, you raise a fabulous point. When I was running Deals Direct back in which we launched in 2004, um, I used to say to my team unashamedly, you know, come on, guys, let's just do what Amazon does. So what we were talking about was rolling out, uh, uh, not imitating Amazon, but certainly keeping an eye on their roadmap. Uh, and we were able to do that for a while, but eventually over time, you know, we couldn't keep up with Amazon. How can you keep up with a business that spends $17 billion a year currently in research and development? So my message today, if I could rewind the tape or even in the present, would be do what Amazon doesn't do. Uh, you know, do what Amazon doesn't do. I think that's the new world we're in. And what I'm saying there is that Amazon are an amazing business. Uh, so are Walmart and other large brands out of the U.S. and elsewhere. But there's plenty of opportunity for retailers to find the spaces between your Amazons, Walmarts, and Alibabas. There's plenty of opportunities there to do to do great business. So uh, do what Amazon don't do would be my mantra. What sort of things might Amazon not be investing in that you think is a large space to plan? Well, remember my early clue where I said that Bezos has built a magnificent business on his mantra that the best customer service is no customer service, right? And I think we all get what he means. Give customers control, get out of the way, and let customers uh, get on with their business. And I think that's terrific and to be celebrated. But I would argue that there's another view of customer, another way to engage with customer, which is in a much more connected uh, way. And so uh, I would argue there's a return to some of the traditional artisanal style of, of, of doing business, which is less about automation and hyper-personalization, but more about good old-fashioned customer service. So I'm hearing a bit about uh, the rise of what we would call Brooklynization out of Brooklyn, New York, uh, where there's a tremendous growth in, in smaller artisanal-based businesses with you know, great product uh, in, in, in in individually uh, reasonably small businesses, but in aggregate a rather large movement. So there's one thing right there uh, that I think we could do. Of course, the second one, which is uh, which is an interesting debate, will go on for a while, is that we live in what I call a digital world now, which is a lovely term. It probably won't last too long, but uh, a convergent physical and digital retail seems to be the honeypot of opportunity. Now, Amazon, obviously, despite their acquisition of Whole Foods, is still very much a consumer direct pure play retailer. So I'm saying, well, those of us that own networks of stores, and many of us do, how do we leverage that physical asset, optimize it, and give our customers something that uh, they can't get from the likes of Amazon? I'll leave you with this thought, Michael. You can get a TV, a television, or a piece of elect consumer electronic equipment in one of your large cities in the U.S. quicker from Best Buy than you can from Amazon, thanks to the growth of store-to-door technology. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, let's touch on like brick and mortars for a second. So that's really the new place to be investing? Well, I, I would say that it's been the old place to, to have been investing in. And there was some uh, anxiety, I sense, of, in the industry over the last decade or so, that these were assets that weren't going to be useful as the you know there was a move to uh, consumer direct e-commerce. I disagree with that view then, and I dis disagree with it now. I think physical assets, if they're well used, and if they're well utilized and if they've shape-shifted uh, to accommodate the changing face of customer needs are a very, very useful touch point uh, with, with shoppers. And we're seeing the rise of click and collect and store-to-door uh, options for shoppers that is proving to be very fruitful. So, 
yeah, physical uh, uh, assets, if they're not well used, are, are a liability. But if they're well used, it could certainly be your competitive advantage against the likes of Amazon. All right. Well, let's talk about how to use these spaces then. How do you create a unique brand in this new environment with your brick and mortar stores? Absolutely. Well, first of all, again, as we said, the death of average, the end of average, these stores have to be highly experiential. So they've got to be places we want to go. If it's just about transactional, well, hey, we're probably going to give the business to Amazon because it's easy. But if it's going to be something more than that, if it's going to be a deep and authentic person-to-person -person engagement, an exciting and interesting environment with, uh, with, with you know, in-store technology, with uh, discovery and an experiential feel, almost an element of retail theater, well, then we, we, we're going to want to go to shopping malls and, and shops that engage with us. A wonderful business out of the U.S. called Beta is doing exactly that, where they're showcasing new technology uh, on behalf of their brand suppliers, and they're not charging their brand suppliers a margin like that like used to happen, but they're charging them for the data and insights that they get from shoppers who come into those stores. Brilliant example of the changing relationship and the changing face of what physical retail might look like, and that's well worth a look. So highly experiential, highly engaging, convenient. The removal of friction. So, you know, shopping should be a pleasure. Uh, we, we should want to go to, to it. But as I say, the convergence of physical and digital retail leads me to believe, and the data backs this up, that uh, the path to purchase uh, these days in retail is a non-linear one. In other words, we research offline, we buy online or vice versa. We go into a store to check things out. We come back home. We think about it. We either buy online or we go back in store and buy there. We do a lot of homework. There's a digital fingerprint on just about every in-store purchase these days. So along the way to the checkout in the physical environment is a digital journey that retailers need to be very mindful of. Yes, of course. So speaking of that journey, where do you think the retail space is going next? What's the new frontier of retail? Could that perhaps be AR or VR? I think, I think so. I think these are all powerful tools uh, to enhance the shopper experience. And if we accept as we do, that customers do want to zigzag and not go in a straight line from their home to their store and back again, then I think things like VR and AR give them a, a sense of uh, the application of product. You know, you think of IKEA here, they have a wonderful app where you can place, you know, your uh, you know virtual furniture in your home environment and get a good feel for that. So the blend of physical and digital, the blend of actual and, and virtual and augmented, I think uh, brings a real clue uh, to the way uh, we'd like to shop. Um, again, removing friction, uh, opening up uh, uh, vistas and ways of seeing a, a product in, in, in application uh, before we purchase and many other things. So I think, yeah, we've, we spoke about voice. We certainly think that VR and AR uh, will be a powerful lever of opportunity for retailers when well used, not just for the shiny stuff, but for well used applications. And then the growth, growth of artificial intelligence to give us deep insights into our shoppers and remove some of the friction uh, of uh, routine uh, and, and processes that are not, you know, not overly useful. All right, very good. I think that's a great conclusion to our interview. Where can our guests find you on social media? Terrific. Well, I'm on Twitter, Paul Chirps. Uh, certainly love uh, your guests. Have a look at the Nora Network. That's nora.org.au. Uh, we're a business network in Australia, but increasingly with global aspirations. We're over at the big show in the US quite frequently. So that's nora.org.au. And my email, paul at nora.org.au, if anyone wants to continue the conversation. Wonderful. Thanks so much for coming on today, Paul. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's retail podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to our previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Michael Sartine, the voice of enthusiasm on MarketScale.